Xtalks connects professionals in the life science, medical device, and food industries with useful content like webinars, job openings, articles, and virtual meetings to help you succeed in your career. This life science focused podcast brings together some of our editorial staff to share insights into the latest B2B industry news to keep you up to date. Xtalks is excited to introduce the inaugural issue of Xtalks Clinical Edge, where innovation meets expertise. This digital magazine offers you exclusive conversations with some of the brightest minds and trendsetters of the clinical trials community, offering you a front row seat to the evolving landscape of clinical research. As you dive into the rich content of Xtalks Clinical Edge magazine's first issue, you'll discover insights from pharmaceutical companies, patient advocacy groups, leading clinical research organizations, and an ensemble of key opinion leaders from organizations like the Clinical Trials Transformation Initiative and the Mayo Clinic. Follow the link in the show notes or visit clinicaledge.xtalks.com forward slash issue one to dive into the first issue of Xtalks Clinical Edge magazine and be a part of the conversation shaping the next era of clinical trials. That's clinicaledge.xtalks.com forward slash issue one. Hello and welcome to the Xtalks Life Science Podcast. I'm Vera Kovacevic, editor-in-chief at xtalks.com. And this week, I'm delighted to introduce a very special guest on the show. Today, we have with us Puneet Dillon, Chairman and Chief Executive Officer of Sky Bioscience, a pharmaceutical company developing proprietary molecules to treat diseases involving inflammatory, fibrotic, and metabolic conditions. Puneet will speak to us about some of the innovation and work happening at Sky Bioscience. So welcome to the show, Puneet. We're very excited to have you on. Hey, thanks, Vera. I appreciate the opportunity to be on your show. Great. So to start us off, could you share your journey leading up to your role as CEO at Sky Bioscience and how your previous experiences have shaped your vision for the company? That's a great question. Well, I, I've been in the life sciences space or in the industry for approximately 20 years. I started in the buy side working for a fund as, a, as an analyst uh, and then um, uh, worked uh, in in the corporate finance area. Then I moved into the operations side, uh, worked for a pharmaceutical company, uh, then back again into kind of different deal making, and now most recently back in an operating role. Um, so I am, uh, you know, I think it's been quite exciting in terms of being on different different roles and different uh, parts of the business. Uh, I think all all the way, you know, having had. Um, uh, lens into seeing the different types of medicines and different therapeutic areas. I've been involved in the uh, cancer vaccine area, cancer immunotherapy area, now uh, tackling ophthalmology as well as these metabolic disorders. So there's a lot of different um, interesting you know, opportunities. And when you're working on on these transformational medicines, I think uh, overall what I've learned it's uh, it's a tough industry and you need a you need resilience. So uh, I think I've certainly appreciated uh, the development process, uh, you know, focusing on what drugs have to offer. Uh, there's all. There's also. Um, I think at this point in my career, I have a better appreciation for uh, looking at when we're doing drug development, looking at the market opportunity and and how a drug fits into the treatment paradigm, 
uh, as well as what kind of what are what are we trying to focus on with such drugs or any new medicines in terms of what that target product profile looks like. But I think a better appreciation for that than early on in my career, because early on, I think I was really just looking at things that, okay, you're trying to disrupt the space or disrupt a um, having a new treatment in, in a disease category. Uh, but, you know, not necessarily that it's not necessarily that all drugs get uh, well adopted and, and having, most recently been in the cancer immunotherapy space. I think I saw that, you know, firsthand we had, uh, you know, the case of like Dendrion, which was the first next generation immunotherapy developed for prostate cancer. And, and um, it didn't, it didn't really take off as any, everyone anticipated, although it was a big, you know, benchmark for the industry. Um, so I think everyone, you know, talks about data safety uh, efficacy as being very clear uh, components of, of winning. I think, to be realistic, there's additional market dynamics um, that uh, have a much you know better appreciation now that you know been in the industry for a few decades. Great, yeah. And can you tell us more about SkyBio's mission and um, the therapeutic approach at the company? Yeah, so Sky is focused on developing therapies that are targeting the endocannabinoid system. Uh, particularly, we're focused on the CB1 receptor, and we're addressing. Uh, different diseases targeting that receptor and modulating uh, that particular receptor. So very broadly, uh, that's targeting diseases that are inflammatory or fibrotic uh, that are involved in the metabolic process, as well as the uh, neurodegenerative side, uh, like we are in glaucoma. But specifically in clinical development, we are developing two different drugs, one a drug for glaucoma uh, and the other drug for uh, obesity and chronic kidney disease, and specifically chronic kidney disease patients that are obese. And for those of us who are unfamiliar, can you um, elaborate a little bit more about the endocannabinoid system and what what is its significance? Yeah, the endocannabinoid system is pretty fascinating. Again, you know, use the, that comparison against the, the cancer immunotherapy uh, side or the cancer immunity cycle. A lot of people got familiar with that over the last decade. Well, the endocannabinoid system is also like this complex cell signaling system, and it's found in in the body, uh, and it plays a, a crucial role in a wide range of different physiological processes. So everything from you know what's called like kind of maintaining the homeostasis in the body, but it also affects people's mood and appetite and sleep, and you know it has components related to um, immune function. Uh, or even pain. So there's there's a lot of different uh, um, roles that, that it can play in terms of diseases. Uh, endocannabinoids are are really naturally occurring compounds. You know they're produced in the body and they're similar structure to cannabinoids that are found in the cannabis plant. And that's where sometimes people get confused. It just happens to be that they're called the same. And the two well known endocannabinoids are uh, anandamide and and two AG. So uh, we're focusing particularly on on a on a on a one particular receptor. So these cannabinoid receptors, they're proteins found on the surface uh, cell of uh, uh, surface surface of cells throughout the body. And the one that we're particularly targeting is cannabinoid receptor one, or what's abbreviated as CB one. And uh, that's the one that we're working on in terms of modulation. And CB one. 
uh, is found uh, all throughout the body. It's uh, primarily found in, in the CNS, but it's also in a lot of different tissues around, uh, around the body. And we can modulate that by uh, uh, inhibiting that function or activating uh, what the CB1 uh, is involved in, in terms of the physiological process that we're trying to uh, create for disease management. Yeah, great. Um, I'm glad that you mentioned how the name is similar to, um, you know, cannabinoids. So thank you for clarifying that. And, um, you know, I haven't heard of a lot of pharmaceutical companies focusing on the endocannabinoid system. Um, is this a relatively new area of focus? And like, what, what inspired Sky Biosciences to take this route? Yeah, like it's, I mean, I think historically, I, I would say that it, it it is a fairly nascent area for development. Um, so there there has been now over the last decade, a lot more research in the in the area um, because it's a relatively uh, newly discovered uh, you know, therapeutic area that people are focusing on new medicine. Um, so it's, we, we, we've, we certainly um, had a, a broader appreciation for it. I, I uh, had an opportunity to be exposed to to this particular you know path for new medicine and and uh, we've we've we established a development uh, uh, rationale around uh, CB1 modulation. We we purposely kind of chose uh, CB1 because there's actually some very strong clinical validation in that area, um, particularly in the diseases that we're working on. So although it's like it's it's um, it's a it's a very uh, you know new newly discovered system. CB one uh, modulation has actually been utilized in in the different diseases that we're focused on. And what we've done is really tried to be deliberate about how do we actually make drugs uh, that can can make a difference for patients in the different areas that we're working on. So, and then what's been interesting most recently is actually we've seen a fair amount of other. Uh, activity in, in the marketplace that that has uh, translated, you know, that larger pharma has been uh, very keen on on this uh, particular pathway. Uh, there's been some notable acquisitions in in the overall endocannabinoid space and specifically in the CB1 space, uh, and and it's kind of re re uh, recapitulating kind of the interest that was there. Uh, you know, about two two decades ago, a majority of large pharma was actually focused on modulating the CB1 receptor and actually focusing on metabolic-related diseases, including obesity. Uh, and and then they kind of moved away from that because of uh, specific you know safety concerns that that arose. This next generation of drug development has really tried to um, uh, improve uh, improve on that and and get around some of the previous safety. Uh, concerns and and now yeah I think it's been nice to see some large uh, you know uh, M and A deals that that have taken place over the last two years uh, by a big pharma entering into this space. And um, let's talk a little bit more specifically about the work that Sky Bioscience is doing. So can you tell us about how the company's lead programs are differentiated, and can you maybe talk about the mechanism of action of some of these? Uh, products and development? Yeah, that's great. So we have two two different programs, uh, two different uh, drug uh, candidates. One is uh, is known as SBI 100 ophthalmic emulsion, 
which is a CB1 agonist or activator, and it's and it's being developed for glaucoma and ocular hypertension. And the other is a uh, is a uh, referred to as nemasimab, which is a CB1 inhibitor. It's a actually a, a antibody um, that is inhibiting the the functions of uh, the signaling of CB1. And we're using or we're developing that drug uh, for targeting chronic kidney disease and and obesity. Uh, so two different mechanisms, two different approaches. The the glaucoma drug is a topical drug, so it's an eye drop uh, that is is developed um, that patient would be self-administering as an eye drop into the into the eye. And then the other is a um, in subcutaneous injection. The antibody is being developed as a subcutaneous injection, also self-administered, um, and both have a very interesting, um, you know, uh, drug profile or, or and, a, and a safety profile. Both of them, both programs have concluded phase one studies and we're moving them into phase two programs now. Oh, nice. Interesting. And um, can you tell us, like, uh, where is Sky Biosciences located, and um, how many people are at the company currently? Yeah, we're we're uh, headquartered in uh, San Diego, so we're a U.S. based company, and we have operations um, uh, kind of spread through between West Coast and and East Coast. Uh, so all of our staff um, is uh, the majority of our staff is is kind of between those two geographies. Uh, we have also some research uh, that is being done in Europe uh, that uh, we work closely with a CRO there. And then our CRO, uh, all, all of our clinical trials are currently being uh, done, in, done in the U.S. Uh, approximately, I think, 11 employees now, um, and we plan on remaining fairly lean. Uh, we have um, a very experienced team that has been involved in drug development uh, for quite some time. So We've we've been in, all been involved in different uh, 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 drugs uh, uh, that we've that have kind of moved through different phases of development. I think uh, uh, from overlapping in in terms of the company, um, a lot of us have experience in terms of bringing drugs to the I and D phase, um, and then others uh, we've been involved in uh, phase two and phase three clinical trials, um, as well as uh, pre-marketing studies. So a uh, very good cross-section of, of experience. And then we're complemented by our board who has uh, been involved in a lot of different drug approvals. Great. And just wondering, like, are there any upcoming milestones or key events that the company is look f- looking forward to in 2024? Yeah, there's a very exciting uh, clinical calendar ahead of us. So I think the the 2023 really set the stage for our 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 drugs kind of moving through the clinical milestones, uh, namely concluding phase one clinical trials for the healthy volunteer study for our glaucoma program, and now we're moving uh, and and we're, we're enrolling on our phase two study uh, for glaucoma. So there will be. Uh, the first uh, clinical readout uh, related to that phase two program is an interim uh, clinical readout uh, approximately in, in Q1 of 2024. And then we will also expect to have final data uh, in late Q2 of 2024. And then we've just announced last week uh, initiation of um, or filed an IND uh, for a new indication for nemasimab, uh, which is targeting uh, chronic kidney disease patients that are obese. Uh, there's a big unmet need there in terms of uh, those patients uh, looking uh, looking to see how we can um, uh, help with uh, disease management there and, and improving 
uh, some of the, the um, associated uh, you know, modifiers that, that we're looking for, namely uh, weight loss, as well as improvement in kidney function. And what we believe is a very complementary in terms of the current treatment paradigm um, that we're starting to see with some of the other enthusiasm and positive data that's come out of the, um, the uh, incretin uh, hormone therapies that are out there, like the GLP-1 uh, therapies. Yeah, Punya, can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Because I know that there's been a lot of news um, and, and talk about like the new obesity uh, pharma market, basically. And in your opinion, like what are the current unmet medical needs there? Yeah, that's that's great that we're kind of getting into that. So the the, the I think like for us, uh, one of the key things that we did in 2023 was add um, nemasumab to our clinical pipeline. So that was uh, through an acquisition we concluded in August of Birdrock Bio. Uh, that's a phase two. Nemasumab is a phase two ready asset, and by filing the IND that we did, um, we are really locked and loaded to show how nemasumab can be a very complementary drug or, or pathway to some of the existing drugs out there, uh, such as the GLP-1s or other incretin uh, regimens in obesity, as well as some of the related comorbidities, uh, such as chronic kidney disease or type 2 diabetes. So that's one of the key angles is that the current drugs uh, are not the BN at all in terms of the mechanism. We think that there's a really important component of an add-on therapy, such as nemasumab, um, in terms of helping with weight management and some of the other related metabolic disorders. And, and primarily the three things that kind of stick out uh, from the um, mechanism is, is, uh, is one, lipid metabolism. So it's stimulating the um, brown adipose tissue uh, activity uh, two is just glucose metabolism. So it's really improving the insulin sensitivity and, and other glucose metabolism. And then third is appetite regulation. So you're able to control these other hormones like leptin and ghrelin, which are uh, key components. So this uh, this particular drug that we're developing, we think is a really complementary uh, with the existing uh, treatment paradigm. So just curious, are you... <laughs> Are you and is Sky Biosciences actively engaging in, a, in any business development discussions or are there any plans to expand the pipeline further? Yeah, so we're, we're certainly opening doors to companies who, who could uh, potentially have interest in our, in our products and our technology uh, and, and especially in the future. Currently, we've been focused on executing on our clinical programs. But naturally, as a healthcare or life science company, we're always uh, interested in creating awareness around our products and how we can get ultimately get to them, get to the patients. Uh, and that's the you know um, objective here is to eventually commercialize. Um, so we're going to continue exploring opportunities uh, to further uh, that uh, effort to commercialize the drugs as well as expand our pipeline. Uh, anything that helps to enable you know, uh, growth of what we're doing uh, and advancing quickly or or the innovation that's necessary for patients dealing with these conditions is important to us. Uh, we've been creative along the way. So this year uh, we we did we did an acquisition uh, where we you know have quickly moved that into clinical development. That program I, I referenced that's uh, focusing on kidney disease and obesity uh, is slated to begin in the first half of 2024. And then we also did a outside of US or ex-US uh, licensing deal uh, focused on chronic pain, 
that's utilizing the API that we that we're developing uh, for glaucoma. So uh, we've continued to be focused on patients first, and and that um, is important to us in terms of getting our therapies out there or or the potential of our therapies to benefit patients. And so I wanted to ask you. I know that you mentioned that there is a growing interest in cannabinoid-based therapies. Where do you see this field heading in the next five years or in the next ten years? I I think it's all driven by the research. Uh, you know, so more companies like Sky that are continuing to advance the science of this particular pathway and and uh, related uh, drugs or new medicine that can target the different types of receptors that are located in the endocannabinoid system are important. We we purposely kind of chose areas that we think we can move the needle. Uh, first, it was in the ophthalmology space where there's the, the eye is rich with these receptors. And now with nemasumab more broadly by focusing on a particular drug that's targeting the periphery uh, uh, and CB1 receptor in the periphery. So more, more research is really going to ultimately drive um, uh, the growing interest in that area. I think when you look at the macro picture, that's a necessary thing because intellectual property is uh, the currency that uh, this industry really relies on for continuing to um, uh, get get new new medicines out there and and innovate. So um, the endocannabinoid system, I think, offers a pretty open green field of opportunity there in terms of creating new medicine. Uh, I think there has to be, you know, continued to see additional, you know, validation of the different types of targets that you can go after. Uh, CB1 is certainly uh, putting, um, uh, laying out kind of a good foundation um, to rely on from a science uh, rationale, from a safety rationale, and, and hopefully now efficacy in these uh, diseases that we're focusing Great. And Puneet, to wrap up the discussion, I wanted to ask you, like, what advice would you give to young entrepreneurs, especially those who want to venture into the biotech or pharma industry? Yeah, I, I would say don't be scared of uh, of, of going after um, uh, the life sciences industry. I think that was a big thing that uh, kind of resonated with with me. I'm, I'm a non-scientist entrepreneur, uh, but have certainly been in the, in the industry and taking the time to learn about the kind of the, the different drug uh, drugs we're working on and the, and the understanding the science that's that's supporting our development strategy. I think that there's been um, uh, sometimes a reluctance around uh, um, the, uh, the, uh, the kind of the risk appetite associated with uh, entrepreneurism and life sciences, but I think there's still so much to be discovered and a lot to uh, make a difference in in this particular area. So I've been a big proponent for young entrepreneurs to be open-minded. And now uh, I think there's a lot of cool tools out there and a, a lot of good resources out there to help uh, continue to broaden that research and opportunity. Well, thank you very much, Pranit, for being on the show today. I greatly appreciate your time and the insightful discussion. Thank you, Vera. And that's the end of this week's episode of the X Talks Life Science Podcast. If you liked today's show, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, everyone, and I'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to the X Talks Life Science Podcast. If you enjoyed our discussions today, please share the episode with your friends and colleagues, and be sure to subscribe in order to be notified when a new episode is released. 
To join in on the discussion, you can find X Talks on social media. Email podcast at xtalks.com or comment on the articles directly. Links are in the show description. Take a moment to join our community at xtalks.com to get access to everything we have to offer, including webinars, job listings, virtual meetings, articles, and more. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the speakers sharing them. They should not be taken as professional advice and do not necessarily reflect the policy or position Honeycomb Worldwide. For further information, email us at podcast at xtalks.com. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week.